Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm here, but I've got issues. That's been true for low these 180 episodes. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I too am here, but I have transcended the very concept of struggle. It's pretty great. Wow. That's a... Uh, that's some serious stuff, man. I, I don't know if, if I'm clear. You skipped the Joe Osteen and went straight to like the Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if it was clear, so I don't want to double back and just be clear. I'm better than you. That's oh, that's really the key thing. That's, I see. That has also been the prevailing attitude for <laughs> these 180 episodes, but finally Judd's coming out and saying it. Uh, it's, the truth will set you free. Sure. I was kind of confused. Like, what's Judd trying to say? Yeah, not a lot of subtext on this show. It's all text. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the second week in a row, we are sadly not joined by Lee Younger. He is still on special assignment in Spain with Young Life, doing music at a camp, training On that people. basis, I declare an emergency! Is it a Europe is tearing this podcast apart That's emergency? exactly what it is. Is it somebody else's travels we're getting attention for a little while emergency? Okay, for, first of all, some of us have always been here. Well, that's not really in any way true. Well, that's true, too. Here's what I'm saying now. <laughs> he means metaphorically, in the way that the mountains and the streams have always been here, so has Glenn. Okay. That's correct. Okay. Now, here's what you need to know. First of all, it's not a real podcast if Lee isn't here. I, we all see that. We all this agree with that. This is some sure. kind Asterisk. of cruel charade. Excellent. Wow. Very well done. Okay. Now, here's what happens is Spain says we need somebody. Right. Now, because we're nice, because right. we're who we are, yeah. we say, you know what? We're going to send you Lee Younger. And also, because you're not the boss of Lee. <laughs> That's also There's true. There's one person in this podcast you're not the boss of. <laughs> That's him. We said, we're going to send you Lee. You can borrow Lee. You can borrow Lee. Sure. You know what? We're not, you know, we're not even asked for a trade back. We don't even, you don't even have to spend one of your youth guys over here. No. That's right. You know, you just, you just know Just on what? good faith. You know, feed and clothe him. Yeah. And uh, and then send him right on back, you know, because we need him. Well, you know, here we are doing a podcast. No, and no worse for the wear. We're going to do one of those rental car things. We wrote down all the things that are already wrong with Lee, all the nicks and dings. Exactly right. right. Yeah. We expect you know, to get him back in good condition. That's right. You know, we're going to we're gonna do a 15-point inspection when totally. he comes back. <laughs> it's going to be pretty awkward for Lee, but you know what? <laughs> it's weird for him to be put up on that rack at the Midas, but <laughs> it's, hey, just, it's how you got to get in there. But this is what happened. We sent Lee over there. He, guess what? He's still over there. He's still over, still there, over there. there. Okay. So first of all, I got problems in Europe because yep. of that. Sure. The second thing is we specifically sent Matt to not the, you as much as I bought my own plane ticket to the England, right? And the the United Kingdoms. Into the That's what little house in the prayer is about. People don't know that. Where 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 the where the Angles and the Saxons right. and the the you know the sure, Jutes Scots, and the Picts. Picts and all the we sent them out there to right. that land. Okay. Why didn't we send them there, Glenn? We sent them there for a lovely vacation to get married. That's not yes, true. Yes, we did. And we told Europe he's coming. We're sending him. We've done all we can do. Right. You guys take him from here. Now if you, you may, like Matt, put a ring on now it. Now, you may notice right. a, a trend here that Glenn seems to think he corresponds with Europe. He sends out a lot of letters marked Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks they're getting there. Just let him go. Dear Europe. <laughs> so we were expecting that Matt would come back with a lovely bride. And sure. then we'd have to try and get used to that and deal with that crisis. Okay. Right. Proving you know nothing about life, love, nor immigration policy. <laughs> Uh, in, but here's what happened. He comes back, safe, single, ready to mingle, same way we sent him over. Right. No, two for three. So that's, so first of all, that's like a what the heck kind of situation. Totes. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's I hard, know we're a mid emergency. Jed's tried to sneak a totes in there. That's a hard no. There's a the big totes. red flag on that. That was a flag gift on the play for both of you. <laughs> that was just a little something for everybody. That's um, by the way. I want to point out. People sometimes don't know, so I feel like sometimes you point out. That is another thing that happens in casual conversation with the three of us. Jed will try to sneak, sneak a totes in. 
for his own amusement. No. Yeah. We, we do not permit new emerging bro vocabulary. I totes hear you, bro. <laughs> That's not bro vocabulary. <laughs> that is sorority girl vocabulary. <laughs> totes my goats, y'all. Dead is on his way to the Alpha Kappa Phi mixer, apparently. Hey, you know, there's a lot of comments I'm realizing I can't make. Glenn, I'm yep. going to throw back to you. Here's what I'm saying is we got Matt uh in uh, no not not only did he not get married no. he didn't come close no it's no. like he didn't even try he didn't even it's try exactly like that we told <laughs> him all how to do it how to you know how yeah. to be how to behave over there yeah. and stuff nothing yeah no. all of our lessons for naught and uh so i've got a lot of problems with europe right Am I, are, are, are we saying we are declaring war on Europe? Well, you know what? It's We're not, not saying that. Sure. We got 99 problems, and Europe is definitely one of them. Okay. So we have to work through that now. There's a lot to think about here. Yeah. Glenn, are you under the, the impression that a podcast is an entity that can declare war? And that Europe is an entity on which war can be declared. Well, first of all, uh, as you know, I'm a stickler for parliamentary procedure. That's true. And I think as long as we, you know, have a quorum, right? Sure. And uh, the motion is raised and, and seconded, and then we take a proper vote, then right. you know, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, I think it's a doable deal. Uh, and, and you say, well, do, do you have a large enough army of minions? Well, not exactly. You it, know. At all. Uh, you so say, it's just going to be the three of us. By the three of us, I mean the two of you. Can, can we mobilize an army of unpaid interns on yeah. this thing? Well, we can mobilize them. Sure, but I don't think uh, Wheaton's going to like that being part of the intern agreement. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's we're not going to get far with that, right? I mean, they're good people. Sure, no, that's not that's not what we're. De- there's no debate on that. But the military prowess of your average Christian um, college student is leaves something to be desired. Well, yeah, compared to your average special forces, Green Beret, your SAS, etc. Yeah, you, we're 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 talking. That's not. It's we're not in that in that caliber. Uh, but I think we have to we have to take a stand. Absolutely, a principled stand. We had to say. This far and no further. Exactly right. See what I mean, this aggression will, will not stand. Will man. not stand, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so um, this is going to lead to a joke that make Je- that makes Jed's wife angry. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it brewing. <laughs> Somebody's going to mention the Sudetenland, <laughs> or Alsace Lorraine. It's all going to kick so off. You have to have the proper amount of living space. This is clear. <laughs> and it's a crystal knock. But anyway, here's the thing is... Wow. Uh, I'm mad about... No, your... I'm, I'm just going to stop you there. Right. I, I think nothing sums up the horror that is this show better than the fact that the two things that have tried to been s- just slid in under breath so far are totes yes. and crystal knocked. <laughs> yeah, yes. And that is really the full spectrum. It, yeah. It is. And that brings us to the third thing we need to discuss here. Which, which is? is the genetically engineered super baby right. idea and project that I've been working on. Now, here's the thing. Is people are getting excited about this. Okay. But people do mean you? Well, I, uh, I, if you're suggesting I'm not He's a person. excited enough for all of us. Okay. Here's what's happened. Uh, as our super fans know, I've put forth the idea who's going who's gonna to carry on the podcast after we're no longer capable due to extreme old age. Right. Well, <clears throat> I said, let's take all four of our DNA, combine it into right. one giant genetically engineered super baby. Right. And obviously, the baby would be four times normal size because it would have four DNAs. Again, by this logic, the human race would double in size with every generation. Now, this super baby, uh, there's th- just going to breeze right on past that. Huh? On, yeah. the, on, on the front end, there's a concern. Will he be clomping around and destroying things and knocking things over? Well, that's a distinct possibility. Sure, I'm that's true of all. That's true of all babies, really. That's true of all babies. You know, 
uh, he's a spirited lad. I mean, that's going right. to be that we're going to we're going to be dealing with that. Right. Okay. But the thing is, he's got in that giant giant melon of a head that he's right. got. He's got four times the normal amount of wisdom. It's like an orange on a toothpick. Again, it's it's uh, not know. how genetics work. And he's gonna try cry himself sleeps not in his huge pillow. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a tangerine on a toothpick. But what I'm trying to say <laughs> is. You know, folks, Mike Myers didn't just star in Shrek. He did some other things beforehand. They were quality. Here's what I'm saying. A piper down. Repeat. A piper is down. His wee beady eyes. What I'm trying to say is this giant genetically engineered super baby clomping around, right. stomping, kicking stuff over, he's got he's got the wisdom. Sure. His giant, giant sure. noggin. Now... Uh, Getting a little closer for knowledge for my liking. Here's what people are saying is, does he have the answers, for example, for cold fusion? Maybe. I think the super baby can solve that puzzle. Sure. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Pray super baby. What what What's the super baby got for us on the Middle East? You know what? Boom. Solved. Suck he goes up. over there. Like, first of all, you can't take him down. You, you mobilize jets, rockets. So you're, you're picturing a Godzilla-like creature. Okay. Really. <laughs> also, you can't take. You I want to point out. I don't care what how big your jet is. You can't take out the super baby. Even if you're just referring to how quickly the solution would come, the word "boom" should be nowhere near your Middle East solution. Well, there is that. That's just bad branding. Here's here's. I mean, you just make him mad, right? You shoot him with a, a with a with with a smart bomb. He's the Mongo of large babies. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Don't shoot him, you'll just make him mad. And he, you know, there's a monetary crisis. Get the super baby on it, right? Sure. Okay. You're saying the super baby runs the IMF. I think we'd all be better off. Okay. Well, you know, well he couldn't do a worse job. Topical humor, nicely done. Those fat cats in Washington, right, guys? Am All I right? right? <laughs> I think so. This is, uh, uh, we're dealing with a lot of things. Here. We are. We're missing Lee. We are. Sure. No, who knows if we're ever getting him back? Probably not. Uh, he's somewhere right now eating uh, churros. Right. You know what I mean? And living the high life. And just he's forgotten about all of us. Totally. Okay. And they may not even let him out of the country right. over there. I'm working on this super baby project, and you know what? I'm just not getting the buy-in. I feel I deserve. Totally. How much of working on the super baby project is watching old Godzilla movies? <laughs> well, okay, you got to start with the reference material that gives you the baseline of you know what I mean, right? That you could say, okay, you know that because you got to work on containment. Sure, absolutely. That's the main thing. Absolutely. Uh, but then we also have a relentlessly single Matt King, and that's just and that's, unapologetically. Don't forget unapologetically. It's just a lot to deal with. That's the that's the part that I just you know I I don't know if I can go on right now. It's I don't know how we're gonna make it, dude. Me neither. You know, um, I think what we ought to do is just continue to let the tape roll, right? Sure, and just lay our heads down for maybe five ten minutes. And then Silent just reflection. Come back, sure. And the people like when they're they could do this when they're listening to it, right? They can meditate at the same time we do, sure. unless you're driving. Yeah, they're probably not. But like, I think it's great, man. I think it's right on. Yeah. You know, what I say to that emergency, um. See what I did there? I substituted yeah. off for um. It's pretty clever. Pretty tight. Yeah. You're welcome. We're gonna yeah. need Lee back pretty bad. You're welcome. Yeah, this is what is, happens. Uh... Emergency arm. See, normally it would be emergency off, which would conclude our emergency time. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. And over hundred episodes, we've we've recognized that that's kind of the signal. But what I did very cleverly is I took the word off and the word arm, which have some similar sounds in them, right, kind of that right. O sound, uh -huh. and I substituted one for the other. Now, you may be confused, like, where, where is this going? Om is a commonly used centering word in meditation. So what you've done is managed to mock both our program and the practice of meditation. Yeah, at the same time, and that's what makes it so brilliant. You're welcome. But you know what? The best thing is when you explain it. That's what I'm yep. talking about. That's, that's what makes funny things funnier. Yeah, that's right. Get out that magnifying glass. Let's find the chuckles. <laughs> Let me tell you what. 
if you could combine the DNA, you see what I'm saying, that came up with that. Right. With three other DNAs. Right. Think of what we could be dealing with. Think about the kind of jokes that <laughs> Super Baby could explain. This, this Super Baby is going to come up with jokes no I'm one has ever thought of before. I'm worried think of DNA regeneration as some sort of stew-making situation <laughs> where you just kind of dump things in and stir them. I don't know any other way to combine <laughs> DNA. Sure. I think that's the optimal, uh, you know. You're mixing it all together, and uh, you, hey, get, you get yourself a Super Baby. Makes perfect sense to me. Well, but you could petri dish. Yeah, you know what I'm saying growth medium. Yeah, and boom, super baby. Yes, stand back. You know what I mean? Because he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna stomp around a little bit. He's got to get used to his surroundings. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've I've stopped fighting it. I think uh, the next move is for us to develop the super baby script <laughs> in hopes of it being ready for release in summer 2017. Absolutely. Justice League: Rise of the Super Baby. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, see, we had Super Baby, we had uh, Missing Lee, we had Singleness, we had a So I Married an Axe Murderer reference. Yeah, that really that took some twists and turns. Yeah, it was a wild ride. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing podcast we got going. <laughs> going pretty well. <laughs> well, as I often feel the need to point out, both in um self-defense and just reminding people when we're not um <laughs> screwing around creating utter nonsense out of our word holes on this show <laughs> we're actually helping people people in the inner city people, people behind bars people in drug rehab um we uh that's what we do for our day job here in chicago the three of us leads down there working with children so uh, but we have a way if you want to support that work and maybe you think, I would like these guys to be doing even more of that so they're too tired to come up with crazy nonsense <laughs> and they, maybe they just get to the freaking advice. That's fine, too. Here's how you do that. You want to support the work we do. We really appreciate it. We have a lot of people signed up to do it. Bridge Box. I actually had the, uh, the joy when I was over there in the great British Isles to meet with a couple of friends of the podcast, say that super fans, and Bridgebox subscribers, Miss Ruth Woo! and Miss Wendy. Woo! Both amazing folks, and not only are they good friends of us, not only do they enjoy the program, they support us, and that means a lot to us. I was able to tell Yay. them that in person, say, you know, people who give, people like that around the world, our friends, Bridie, Patricia, Alan, you know, people all over the Charlie, people all over the world, give $8 a month. That We make that go a long way, do a mm -hmm. lot of ministry. We're able to help a lot of people. So yeah. we appreciate when we do that. And if you want to get on that, and you really should, it's a great way to support ministry. It helps us out, and it really is the number one way you can support what we do both online and on the streets, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. And not only that, when you sign up, you get a lot of cool stuff for yourself every month, music, sermons, Bible studies, lots of other goodies. So we jump right into our first question here. Uh, this question came into Glenn's blog. Mm. It's uh, quite popular i mm. was on another continent and people had heard of it mm. now these were specifically people i had scheduled meetups with because they had listened to this podcast but they had heard of it well i, think I did not go around interviewing random people on the streets because that is not the kind of thing the brits take kindly to <laughs> pardon me sir you guys have a question but I, 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 don't, I don't think so so what you're saying is i ran into hugh grant they've never <laughs> they've never heard of jet skis but they've heard of uncle glenn I'm pretty sure they've heard of jet skis, dude. So that means something pretty, else, though. Jet skis is what they call an elevator. <laughs> pretty, pretty popular, I'd uh, say. Absolutely. So this question came in to Glenn's blog. This is a sometimes in the blog we'll get some longer questions. So we've actually shortened this a little bit, but we want to get in there. So this and if you hang out with us all the way in, I'll give some ways to get yourself. This question says the people I'm working for are hurting. They need me to do more than I'm strictly speaking being paid to do. It's an extreme situation. My heart goes out to them, and they've always been nice and thankful for what I do. But on the other hand, I'm concerned about overcommitting, getting my life out of balance, and worsening some existing health problems I have. How do I balance this out? And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, yeah, uh, let's start with a concept Uh uh, and uh, it involves learning a magic word. The magic, Ooh. the magic word is no. Mm. That word unlocks all sorts of possibilities. That's right. If you're going to help people, uh, the first word that you need to learn is no. 
Um, the reason why that is, and the reason why we have to get comfortable with that word, is that we're going to get into situations uh, when we're in helping professions that might be teacher, that might be nurse, might be uh, ministry stuff like what we do. Social worker. Social worker. You're going to be asked to do more than what, technically speaking, is your brief, more technically speaking than what you're getting paid for that you have time to do. And sooner or later, eventually, you have to get to that point of saying no. If you yeah. if you put that off and put it off and put it off till you're overloaded and overwhelmed, then it makes no sense um, to... to you know, try and find a balance because you're you're not going to find it if you can't uh, say no, if you're not comfortable saying no. So I think first and foremost, that's the thing to check is are are you know are you comfortable saying that? Are you are do you feel like I'm a bad person if I don't mm-hmm. say yes, mm-hmm. or do you feel like I'm not being a good Christian if I don't say yes to everything? Those kinds of things. Uh, you have to have that sense of if I'm if I'm being asked more again than I'm paid to do more than I have time to do more than than is uh, my calling to do uh, that I I need to be starting with no and then seeing can I talk my way into that can I mm-hmm. is there uh, do I have a little bit of an extra time do I have something else that's on hold so I can do this for a little bit or something like that uh, but our default uh, in a sense, should be uh, to be able to say no. Being flexible is good. I think that's, you know, in, in any kind of helping profession, uh, being able to see that things are different and you need to do something different about it is key. Uh, you know, responding to different kinds of situations or with a different strategy, different kind of whatever, uh, that's very, very key. But the whole problem is avoiding that target lock, that mm-hmm. sense where you... I'm looking to accomplish something and I'm going to do anything and everything to get that done to the point of everything else is failing everywhere else. So there's no sense of balance to that. So I think that's the main thing I would say on that. Mm. That's absolutely right. One of the things, one of the reasons you have to get comfortable with that idea of saying no and asserting your boundaries is it's actually a good thing sometimes when you're in one of these helping professions or even if it's not a profession, it's just friends or relatives them asking for help is a good thing. Them coming yeah. to you for help is a good thing. But that doesn't mean you always have to give it. You do have to ha- be able to assert your boundaries and have your reasons for asserting your boundaries. What can you talk to us about on that, Jen? Well, I appreciate the question a lot, and I appreciate the heart behind the question. You know, I mean, <clears throat> you're coming from a place of love, and, and we see that and we appreciate it. And what Glenn and Matt are both describing in terms of having and asserting boundaries, we want to be clear, that's actually driven by a place of love as well. Right. That's um, right. That's not about kind of a selfishness thing of, well, I could help you, but I won't. Right. What it's actually about is recognizing if I overextend myself and I burn myself out, all the help goes away. That's right. Yeah. If I allow myself to get to a point where I'm um, overdoing, overextended, overcommitted, all that kind of jazz, uh, if that happens, uh, sooner or later I'm going to quit. That's and right. then you're not getting any help at all. And right. that's like clockwork. There's no one in any. Um, area of life, particularly these kind of ministry or help impressions, who says, well, I'm just going to run into the red line for a little while and then I'll scale it back. It That always ends in disaster. No yeah. question about it. No question about it. So, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to, um, uh, I'll tell you, of course, the truth is this is stuff that you want to pray about. You want to mm-hmm. get a sense of leading from the Lord of which parts of this person's situation, Lord, are you calling me to help with? And you want to focus on those. Mm-hmm. It's good to get wisdom from other Christians. Good to get wisdom, you know, from your pastor, your mentor, you know, if you're married from your husband or your wife on that. And then you want to focus on doing that stuff as as well as you can. One of the things that happens and one of the reasons, you know, as Matt says, that kind of that burnout stuff spirals so quickly is when our needles are in the red, we stop looking for smart solutions. Right. And that's the thing that we really need. I mean, we were just in, in jail earlier today and there's so much need. I mean, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. direction you look in, it's misery and heartache and heartbreak in every direction you look. It's right. just, I mean, it's just a pit. Well, the thing is, if you try and brute force your response to that, I'm just going to love everybody super hard and just, you know, do everything I can. Not only will you burn out, you're going to burn out in about five minutes. Right. You know, that's, that's just right. not possible. The, the only possible way to really help and to keep helping is to say, how do we do this in a smart way? 
How do we do this in an intelligent way? How do we do this in a way that's efficient and that gets a lot done with a relatively small investment of time and emotional energy? But in order to be able to think that way, you can't be overburdened. Um, that kind of critical reasoning is the first thing that goes out the window when you're mm. overcommitted, overcooked, overburdened, and burned out. But that's what people actually need in order to be helped. So mm. it's about protecting your own mental and emotional and spiritual health so that you can continue to be there for them. I think that's absolutely right. I like that idea of overburden because there's a thing in this kind of um, in the Christian culture and the especially kind of industry, this idea of oh, our heart just aches and reach out to, which is fine. It's good mm-hmm. to have a burden. It's good to you know acknowledge when people are going through a tough time. But you can't make as Judge saying you can't make your decisions in that way. And a big way that that kind of manifests itself is you can't decide who you're going to help and how much on how much you pity them. Yeah. Right. This idea of the person, the person who deserves most help, is the person with the most dramatic um, story. Just that doesn't really wash mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. As Jed's saying, what we want to look for is smart solutions, helpful solutions, and you can't. Because the bottom line is, everybody, like if you're a social worker, everybody who comes to you has some kind of horrible thing going on. Yeah. In our job, everybody we deal with has a upbringing background up to, you know, the things that happened in the last month that are heart-wrenching yeah. mm-hmm. on a scale that is almost unimaginable. Right. And we don't want to discount that. We don't want to not acknowledge that. But you can't say, okay, I'm going to triage what I'm going to do for who by who makes me feel the most yeah, definitely right now. Not. Right. Definitely not. Because that's going to go bad in a number and of directions. That, and that doesn't, nece- doesn't mean that person is the one who necessarily needs the most help. Absolutely. doesn't mean they're the one who needs the most help. doesn't mean they're the one who you are in the best position to help. Right. And if you do it that way, another thing that can end up happening is you'll help them for about a week until the next person with the even crazier story, or you're now kind of used to this person's story and you've gotten into it and some of it's a little their fault, the way that all of our problems are a little bit our fault. And here comes the next person with a, an even a fresher story and now you're on to that. We, mm-hmm. we see that unfortunately. A lot of people kind of jump to, if you're following your own emotions, it's you just kind of jump from thing to thing to thing. So as we look at smart solutions here, I would say some of that is you, smart solutions are what we look for is win-wins. Mm-hmm. So you say, oh, let's say, you know, I'm doing X amount for this person right now, which is in my job purview and a little bit, and it's all going well, and they want, you know, double that. Well, you may not have, you probably don't have double the time. You probably don't have double the emotional energy. Do you have, let's say, let's say, you know, they need childcare. Some, you know, somebody needs childcare. I'm watching this. I'm watching the kids for them while the, they go out and do whatever, you know, 10 hours a week. And I've got that in my schedule and it's fine. They need 20 hours a week, the new, a new job or something. Well, I don't have the extra 10 hours a week and whatever. Do I have a friend who can do 10 hours a week? Do right. I have two friends who can do five hours a week? There you go. You know, that's that doesn't feel romantic. That's not, you know, that's not, I felt so bad so bad for them that I just stuck in there. Mm-hmm. But you get a little community going. You get a team. They can get some stuff. Do I, can I help them research low-cost child care options in their area? There's a, a lot of what we do is looking at ex- existing things and programs whatnot and trying to plug people into them because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. Right, that exactly takes right. a lot of time. And all that to say, this is not this is a situation where following your emotions, these kinds of, when it comes to boundaries specifically, following your emotions is not good because your emotions don't want boundaries. Yeah, no, they don't. Right. Whether right. that be in romantic relationships or anyway, your emotions just want to say, We're all just we're all gonna live together now, guys. Mm-hmm. We're all just gonna move in right. here in a yurt and it'll be great. Yeah, right. yeah. And um uh, Makes Wear sense. Hemp shoes. And sure, it makes it. sense for a little while, and we we all and again we all go through that too. We all um, at the bridge. None of us carry cash, and we have one. Our friend Pete works with us. Is the petty cash guy. If you need money for a bus pass or whatever, you go to Pete. You go to Pete. Part of that is logistics because we just have a single point person. That part of that is the three of us know that we would leave broke every week. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we would just be just take the money, just yeah, take you it. Go. You need it more than I do, just take it. Here we go. Yep. This is my credit card. If you only max it out once, that'd be great. But you just go what you do, which not going to help anybody in the yeah. long run. So, yeah, and just uh, just if I can jump in there real quick, I think part of the the thing you're describing there is recognizing you you are not the savior. Yeah, uh, that recognizing your your first instinct should be, who can I recruit to help with mm. this? Who can I 
uh, ask for advice, how how can I plug them into other resources? Well, another smart thing that does as far as not trying to be the savior is, and we don't mean that in the sense of, sometimes we talk about you know people having a savior complex or whatever, but if someone asks you to help, it's not that you have a savior complex. But mm-hmm. well, another thing we try to do is to not make ourselves irreplaceable in this right. person's process. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you can find a, some kind of other option or spread it out a little bit, then if you get a job in another town or a new, new job or get sick or whatever, this person doesn't collapse. Their whole situation doesn't collapse down because it pins on you. Yeah. Yeah. Part of get helping people kind of get to the next level in their lives, get to the point where they want your help. They can seek it out and you help them where you can, but it doesn't all depend on you being, you know, the thing that holds us up forever, because that's not really good strategy. Absolutely. Well, to build on that really quick, and it's a very sharp point, one of the things that we do a lot of, and this is kind of a, a pro tip, you don't hear people describe very often, but it's really important, is in the majority of cases, we're trying to structure things with the people we're helping where we're consistently putting the ball back in their court. Mm-hmm. The next step depends on something they need to do. We'll set it up for them, but they have to they have to do something. Yeah, that doesn't happen... Putting the ball in the court doesn't mean it has to be a big thing, but it's like, Not here's all. the job center, here's a bus pass, go. Exactly right. I need The bus doesn't run there, you know, can you give me a ride? I can give you a ride, but you're going to have to call me Tuesday night by 9 p.m. to confirm that we're going. Right. If I don't hear from you by then, I'll have to schedule other things. Right. Now, it's a small thing, but it requires them to take ownership. And that's the mm-hmm. thing is, if people aren't taking ownership of at least areas of their lives, they actually cannot be helped. And that's really, and, and right. actually, we should take a second to unpack that. There are people who need help that aren't willing to receive it. Right. Christians are really bad at spotting that. But they, the, they've got, a, as we often say, they've got, their, their life is like a bucket with a hole in it. They're, they're trying to get you to fill that bucket faster than it's running out of the hole instead of plugging the hole. Exactly right. Exactly right. What we need to do is to emphasize to them, I'm prepared to pour stuff into that bucket, but you've got to plug that hole. And one of the ways that you help them navigate that is by giving them participatory steps along the way. We will do X, then you must do Y. Right. We can't proceed to Z until you have done Y. Y depends on you. Doesn't need, as Matt said, doesn't need to be a big thing. It doesn't need to be a hard thing. It doesn't need to be a monetary thing. And the approach of that does not need to be a confrontational thing. Not at all. It's Mm -hmm. not rarely, sometimes if we've really had to go around someone, rarely is it, okay, here's it. And until you do that, we're not as, okay, here's the the thing. Yeah. They come to you and say, hey, can I get, you know, another ride somewhere? You say, well, did we, did you go to the job center thing? No. Oh, when when you do that, let me know. We'll move on to the next thing. And a very small example of that that builds on what you're talking about with, you know, at the bridge, we have one guy who carries the money. We don't. Part of it because otherwise we just give all of our money away. But the other part is someone says, hey, man, can you, can you loan me $5? I don't have any cash, but you've talked to the dude. He's the guy that puts the ball back in their court. Say, so this is the official way to do it. I'm now mm. pointing you in that direction. Go do that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it clearly divides a certain number of people say, OK, well, great, I can go do that. I will go talk to him right now. Mm-hmm. That'll make mm-hmm. that happen. And a certain number of people say for a variety of reasons, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Right. Well, if, if it, this isn't under the table, it's no fun for me. It, I mean, right. you wouldn't believe it, but there's 50 percent of people that will ask me and I'll say, well, actually, that's the dude. Go go talk to him. Won't. Right. They'll, they'll say, oh, I'm. <laughs> No. Right. Well, that's the thing. When you're ready to be helped, yeah. we will still be here. They they want to be helped in a way that's that specific. Of yes. Who hands them the money. Exactly right. <laughs> you know? Exactly right. Yeah. You, you, you have to be a lot more open to receive direction than that. Yeah. And on the other side of that, and hopefully this is more the case in what our question asked talking about, sometimes there are people, there are people like Jed Scrabbing who... And a lot of times it's that, that, you know, well, I don't have any cash, go ask Pete. That's not even like a weird, I'm scared to ask Pete or I don't want to step. That's a, no, I had in my mind this was going to happen this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not going to happen that way. It's not going to be that way. Right. Now, people who want help and are in a good position, which from your question, we have a little bit of a longer version of the message that we don't in the podcast, certainly seems like they are, this is, these are not people who are fighting help. So if they say, you know, you're doing this, you know, we, you're doing this much, could you do double that again? It's not a problem. It's not a bad thing on your part. And I don't think they're, they're not going to resent from me and say, I actually can't do that. Mm-hmm. Why don't we sit down and figure out an alternative idea? Because mm-hmm. people who are making kind of changes and are self-motivated in that process, which is what we look for in people, 
they want the solution. Mm. That's a real big defining thing about people who are easy to, as we put people who are easy to bless and people who are hard to bless. Mm-hmm. People who are hard to bless want it their way. That's right. And again, we sympathize that because we all fall into that in sure, certain areas of sure. our life. That's fine. But people who are going to be easy to bless and are people you kind of want to, and who are, are actually on this, I'm trying to say this very counterintuitively. The people who are easiest to help and easiest to bless are the people who are is easiest to set boundaries with. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. correct. You don't right. want to do it as much, which is maybe why the devil kind of pokes at us to. Well, I do things. That, it seems like if you really cared, right, you right, wouldn't right. try to. But you know, if there are people who they're having a hard time and you're helping them out and they they're thankful and appreciative of that, you say, "Hey, I really would love to, but that's just that's actually kind of outside of my job description, and it's just not for me to do." But why don't we? Why don't we sit down and I'll buy a cup of coffee and we'll look at some other things to do. 90% of the people who are on what we, I have reason to think these people that you're trying to help are on don't have a problem with that and don't, wouldn't hold that against you. And, right. That's right. And some of some of that has to do with the attitude with which you present it. Mm-hmm. If you said, I'm really sorry, I would love to, but I just, I just don't think I, there's no need to do that. And that right, kind of says right. what I feel you say. You know, I'd really like to, but I just it's just not going to work. Yeah. And if you open with that, so ta- it's going to sound like a tangent, but go with me. I was listening to a guy, uh, some podcast. If you've seen the George Clooney movie Up in the Air, where he yeah. professionally fires people, listen to a, some interview with a guy who did that job. And he said, the key thing they taught us is we always opened with a decision has been made. Yeah. This is not a negotiation. A decision has been made. You're leaving this job. So here's what we I can sympathize and we can do with that. So if you've looked at it, from every angle and said, I just don't have the extra time to give. It frees you up to go into this boundary setting conversation with, I don't have the time to give. We, this is not a negotiation about you trying to talk me into the time. Not that I don't want to give you the time. I just don't have it. So with that said, let's figure some stuff out. And like Joe was saying, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just, just going to say, we use the phrase that's not going to happen. Yes. Or I wonder our new favorite bridge. We don't do that here. Yeah. But like Joe was saying, it's it's a very small tweak, and it doesn't seem like much, but to, in your own kind of putting those words out and, and what it communicates, it really does set a much more pleasant tone and helps mm-hmm. the whole thing go a lot smoother. Yeah. So a lot of stuff in there, and I think, I think Glenn's going to either uh, answer this question privately or on the blog at some point. So uh, if you have follow-ups, as always, uh, we welcome them. So... And uh, you can always get us those addresses I give you at the end. We'll move on to our next question here. So it's a little longer, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. So hang out with me on this one. And this is this ca- also came into Glenn's blog. It's very popular. It says, hmm. long story short, my husband has an addiction to alcohol. Dude whose addiction to our marriage of only two years has been a constant up and down of good, hopeful moments and really, really dark moments. Recently, I told him if he fell back to alcohol again, I'd leave him and move in with my parents. He drank again, so I left. The weekend I left, he reached his rock bottom... With lots of money spent on booze, ridiculous behavior as a result of that, thoughts of suicide and scaring his friends and family. On Monday, he started pursuing God again, and he reported that his faith and love in Jesus has been reborn. Hmm. Save it. I ended up going home that Sunday, eight days after leaving. I felt that he was ready for change and that finally my husband was at a place of knowing that he couldn't do it without God. I was happy to be home to support him as his wife and helper. But I met with my pastor's wife today, and she told me I went back too soon. That is, if this is all legit, that he is only at the start of getting better, and that for me to go back is sort of taking the pressure off of him to change, that he needs to start and finish some type of program that will help and give him the tools he needs before I should be in the picture. My husband's closest friends also strongly agree with this. I'm very torn because on one side, I want to be here for him. I want to support him and be part of this process with him. But the other side of me wonders if creating space would be the best thing. I want this to change. I'm tired of the cycle. I'm terrified of this still being a problem when our kids come along. Thank you for any words of wisdom. And Jed, why don't you start off on this one? Sure. Well, sis, I'm sorry for your troubles. I'm sorry for what you and your husband are both going through. And it's it's tough stuff. And uh, our hearts go out to you and we're praying for you. We we work with a lot of people in in addiction, um, so it's it's trained that we're familiar with. Um, there's a lot in your question, and, and to be honest, a lot of this is stuff that um, we would really need to talk privately about in order to really be able to get into it. But I can I can give you a couple of principles. Here's the first one: if someone is um, in 99.99% of cases, if someone is going to have a shot at long-term sobriety. Um, their attitude needs to be, I'm an alcoholic. 
Right. Yeah. Um, it's not that um, is not exactly that I have an addiction to alcohol. I'm an alcoholic. That's there's a difference there. Say and, that thing. Um, yeah. That's you know that's that's that's, right. that's where I'm at. It's what I'm on. Um, it doesn't matter whether or not I have faith and love in Jesus. I'm an alcoholic. Right. That's uh, those are two separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you'll hear people in AA, which I want to take a second and say is a great program. Yes. I don't know why on yeah. earth it's become fashionable on the internet to bash AA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you got a bad word to say about AA, don't say it here. Yeah. AA is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. We we will caveat that with AA is a um, giant leaderless amoeba. So right. we are certain, and we have experience, there are bad AA meetings out there. Sure. Mm. But the principles behind it, we have seen work a whole lot. So Dang, you know. dude. Yeah. But one of the things that you'll hear people in AA talk about, and I think that they're right, is you can't get sober for somebody else. doesn't right. work that That's way. Right. Yeah. Um, if you're getting sober, it's for you. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words... Um, it, and it sounds, um, it sounds not cool, but we've actually, people we've sent very serious about their um, their recovery have said flat out, I'm not doing this for my wife. I am not doing this for my kids. No. I'm doing it for me. And yeah. that those people actually have a much, much, almost infinitely higher success rate than the people who say I'm doing this for my kid. That's exactly right. It doesn't, again, it's not what you see in the movie. It doesn't sound good, but that's actually what works. Well, because you're going to lose, uh, the, your, your, your kids and your wife aren't going to encourage you enough to make it feel like hey this is worth it yeah yeah because it's not their job to encourage no. you and that that alcohol sure would go down smooth and nobody seems to appreciate how hard this is yep. and nobody's valuing how hard i'm working so you know what i might as well go back to it as long as you put it on them to yep. provide you with the gas to get this done it's never going to work not going to happen here's what i would say before i kick it over to glenn um it sounds like you have a lot of very well-intentioned people in your life um, and I think we can be grateful for their good intentions. The, I also suspect that they are people who have watched a couple episodes of Dr. Phil and on the basis of that believe that they have an expertise in addiction. <laughs> um, they super don't. Right. Um, uh, addiction on some level is a medical problem. Mm. Um, the solution to it is largely spiritual, which is a mm. bit of an odd conundrum. Uh, but there are specific ways to deal with addiction that work. Um, if you know what those are, then you know how to operate. If you don't, you need to not muck about with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, AA and 12-step programs work. Um, they actually uh, work pretty dang well. Um, Celebrate Recovery actually does a great job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they are AA is a Christian program. They just won't tell you they are. Mm-hmm. Celebrate Recovery is a Christian program that will tell you it's a Christian program. Which is based on AA. Which is based on AA. Yeah. Absolutely. If if that makes you more comfortable, that's great. That's that's no problem. But the key thing here is it sounds like you're looking for counsel. Um, you need to get counsel. And again, we're happy to give you some principles. You need to be talking to people in your life where you can get into the details and, mm-hmm. and get stuff out in the open. So that's going to need to be one-on-one conversations. But these need to be people that the, these need to be people that actually know something about addiction. Right. Um, if your pastor's wife does, that's great. I have a suspicion she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like your buddies probably don't either. Um, right. you, you need to find some people that actually know not just about, not just, it helps if they have a history of addiction, but they also know how to walk other people through a process of sobriety. Right. Uh, maybe they've been sponsors in an AA program, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you need to, to get some good counselors in your life that have concrete experience in helping people uh, become and remain sober who can walk you through the specifics of your situation but again i can't underline this enough successful recovery begins with i am an alcoholic full stop absolutely no excuses no alterations no addendums i'm an alcoholic period absolutely right i go ahead well glenn can you you glenn has a jed does as well glenn a little more a lot of years working with guys in addiction a lot of um seeing recovery go well and not well can you speak uh I talk for a living. <laughs> Specifically, I've been in the land of England where people pronounce words correctly, and it's kind of screwed me up. Aluminium. Ooh, aluminium. But can you speak kind of specifically to this idea of, um, I feel like people who go back too soon, who kind of, basically, mm. there's a little bit in this of, and I don't know if this is what a question asked doing, but there's a hint of it, of kind of treating the decision to get into recovery as someone who has recovered. Yeah. Well, yeah. kind of this, I want to be part of the process and we therefore uh-huh. encourage them versus that space. Just what have you seen 
And you've seen people take both of those tacks. What have you seen work and not work? Well, yeah, ultimately, as as Jed said, and I can't emphasize it enough, we're, we don't have a hope of, uh, you know, recovery unless someone's saying, I am an alcoholic and I need help. Yeah. I need yeah. a power greater than myself. To restore me to sanity. To restore me to sanity. Uh, I'm powerless over this addiction. I I have a higher power that has the power yeah. to, that, that can restore me to sanity. I don't drink because X, Y, Z. I don't drink because A, B, C. I drink because I'm an alcoholic. That's exactly right. right. Exactly right. It, 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 now, here's the thing that goes with this, and this is the hard word. We, we got to have one very short hard word in here. Wherever there is an alcoholic, there is an enabler. Say that thing, man. Yep. That. The, and now you could say, well, now I don't feel like an enabler. I have not had the intent, obviously, to enable sure. him. Yeah. I, I, I'm absolutely sure that's true. Well, I think there is, and you're absolutely speaking to it, but let me just jump in there. There is a that term, which is absolutely true here. There are some people who would count that as a character flaw or kind of a cohort. Right. That's not how we mean enabler. Enabling right. is a very specific set of circumstances and reaction circumstances that almost in the same way as an addict we we don't put any value judgment on that. Oh, absolutely not. In in a in a in a sense, you like like all enablers, uh, you know, in this uh, uh, addict enabler relationship. In, in in many respects, you've been forced into. Yeah, you were enabling. adapting to your environment. Yeah, it, you, if you if you knew now, if you if you take everything that you know now. And you could go back in time knowing that. Obviously, things would be different. Sure. And I think it's worth uh, taking the measure of that. What would you say if you could go back in, in, in time to that person? Because it will inform where you need what needs to be happening moving forward. Uh, if we could put you in that time machine, would be to go back before you're married. Mm-hmm. And, and, and address this person you know to drink too much. Yeah. And you would cuff that, that brother and whisper in his ear gently, lovingly, sweetly, and say, I know that uh, you are a drunk. You're an alcoholic. And I know you don't know how to handle your liquor. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you do that is because you can't accept life on life's terms. And it's uh, like all other addictions. It's just a slow way of... Uh, completely removing yourself from the world. Here's what you need to know. If I catch you drinking another drink, I will find a two by four. I will knock you out of this world into the next. I will kill you as a Christian woman. And I'll, I'll cry at your funeral and I'll feel bad about it. (laughs) But the fact that you want to kill yourself by drinking yourself to death is going to cause me a ton of misery and cause a lot of people in your life, a ton of misery. I'm not going to let you marry another woman and put her through that. I'll kill you. That's the Glenn Fitzgerald one-step program. <laughs> That's right. I will kill you. Don't think about, don't worry about what might happen if you take another drink. You know for worry sure. Worry about what will happen. Consequences. Death. Yeah, death yeah. will happen. That's what you would say now if you could go back in time. Sure. Because there's no point of, in negotiating with that. You know that now. You've tried sure. it now. There's no point in, in being easy with it and being, being forgiving and loving and being... Oh, yeah, had a hard like, week, you know, so... Kinda, you know, it's uh, being understanding about it. You tried all sure. of that, and it turns out that was the exact wrong way to play it. You don't know... You, you, you didn't know that until now. He put you in a position, and this is what addicts do. Addicts manipulate. Addicts yeah. uh, uh, have a way of uh, fibbing and lying and telling half truths and manipulating situations so that the addiction can continue. continue. That's just happens a hundred percent of the time. So it's it uh, uh, your position now is I have been uh, enabling this all along yeah. without intending to. Of course, you you would never want to do that. To give you a practical example of the kind of thing that we're talking about with enablement, because some of these may be new words if you're if you're new to this stuff. So at some point, maybe while you're dating, maybe early on in the marriage, husband got drunk and said and did something stupid. He said something stupid, did something stupid, and you gave, made some sort of speech about you know if that ever happens again, I'm gone. Right. 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 And then it happened again. Right. And you weren't gone. That's right. 
um, in that moment, you were communicating to him. I there actually aren't boundaries. That's right. In our yeah. relationship, there aren't lines of things I am or am not willing you, to put you up. You never with. thought he would call your bluff on that. Well, that's the thing. Again, one of the reasons we, one of the main reasons we don't put a value judgment on enablement is you were treating this as if you were dealing with a normal. I right. use that term person. Yes. You say, you know, somebody screws it, gets drunk, does something, you say, hey, that can never happen again. And then if two years later they get a little blitzed at a wedding, and well, you, I'm not going to leave because two of two incidents two years apart yeah. with right. a normal functioning person that wouldn't communicate anything, but you're dealing with an addict, therefore that right. was an act of enablement. Like we're saying, you know the time, one of the things that puts the three, the three of us, and when Lee's on the podcast as well, in an extraordinarily rare position is we've actually gotten to observe and learn about addiction without it firsthand ripping our lives apart. Yeah. And 95% of the people who learn this kind of stuff about addiction are because they were in your situation. That mm-hmm. almost everyone who's not doesn't have the weird job we do learns about enablement by... Being an enabler. By it being revealed to them years on that they right. were an enabler. Absolutely right. And and part of, uh, and, and I, I want to go back to talking about 12-step programs, part of being in a 12-step program is uh, learning as an addict how to restore the relationships with the people who are enabling yeah. you and how to change those relationships, how to have a level of honesty so that you're not kind of shining them on and telling them what what they want to hear and all of that. And they also have um, 12-step programs for people who have uh, loved ones who are alcoholics, 12-step style programs. That's right. An Al-Anon or adult children of alcoholics, that kind of stuff. And that can be very, very useful for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you should look into it. Now, uh, uh, Matt edited, believe it or not, edited down the original question. As long as that was, there was actually other stuff in there. This uh, uh, young lady mentioned a program out of her church that deals with addiction. And don't do that one. We're not going to mention the name, so yes. we, we... It was we, not one of the ones we've already mentioned liking. Yes. Um, here's... here. Let's, let's emphasize here. Uh, Christians, a good glob of them, do not understand 12-step programs. Not at all. Yeah. Therefore, they criticize things that they don't understand. One of the things that they criticize is the thing that we're drawing an extremely strong line underneath here, which is admitting I am an alcoholic. For yeah. them, that... Uh, I've been the, delivered, Glenn. Yes. And yes. The program that, that that she is mentioning specifically eliminates that element. Bad call, dude. It specifically eliminates that saying... that part time say, bomb waiting to go off. It, it, uh, understand you're, you're dealing with a combined more years of experience of dealing with addicts than you have on this earth. <laughs> I am just telling you right now that the, the number of people who make it by saying, I'm not an addict. I'm over it now is minuscule. Yeah. yeah. The ones who make it almost, you know, 99.999% say I'm alcohol. I'm an alcoholic. I have that tendency. I have that proclivity. I have, This will be a temptation that will be with me forever. I need to deal with that. Here's the thing. The Bible doesn't say you have to confess your healing. Yeah. That's yes. not the Bible. No. The Bible says if anyone says that they are without sin, yeah. that they are not telling the truth and the truth is not in them. Yeah. Paul said, I will boast of my weaknesses. I will put my weaknesses out on front street. That means standing up and saying, I'm an alcoholic and I need help. I'm in recovery. I am this many weeks or months or years sober. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. And I, I will receive applause for that. There's lots of positivity in AA meetings, much more so than your guilt driven worship services that you're going to, uh, where you're just delivered from problems and, and whatever. Uh, there has to be a level, uh, 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 you have to participate in a program that acknowledges this is a, a tendency, a weakness, a problem, a struggle that one could go back to at any point for the yeah. rest of your life. 
That's that's how life works. You can you can take all of this weakness in all these different areas and turn them into strengths, and that's what twelve step programs are designed to do. The twelve step is where you turn around and you help other people in their addictions. This is a, could be the beginning of a whole calling in your in your husband's life, a whole new uh, purpose for it. But you can't do that by finding a quote unquote Christian program that throws out that biblical wisdom of admitting you have a problem. Just to maybe close this question on a bit of a personal note, my dad is actually a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've listened to this podcast a long time, you, you probably know that. And he's actually, uh, he's been in ministry for years and has been very public about that. It's not a secret. He has more than 30 years in sobriety. Um, here's the thing about him. Um, he still goes to AA most weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a man who hasn't had a drink in 30 years. Is a man with multiple doctoral degrees, teaches at seminaries, uh, published Christian books, still goes to AA and begins by saying, my name is Guy Brewer. I'm an alcoholic. That's right. Yep. Um, if you want your husband to be sober for the next 30 years, and I know that you do, that's where that process begins. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. I will, I will piggyback on that as we close this out, because I know we can go for a while, but this is important stuff. And this is... Um, some, there's some questions we get on the podcast where we go, I kind of know something about that. You, you've landed squarely in the wheelhouse of the three gentlemen you're listening to. There's the idea of um, this, the weekend he left, he reached his rock bottom. There's a very profound thing that a guy we work with said his, when he was telling his story of you know, his addiction, which was, there's no such thing as rock bottom. Right. Yep. It's just when you get tired of it. Now, what he meant by that, as we unpack that, and again, it's a profound statement. I want you to remember that when you hear about addiction. There's no such thing as a event so dramatic that it forces you into recovery. Yeah, right. no. That does not exist. No. Right, right. Uh, to go back to Glenn's example, which you thought was exaggerated, and it's not, if you, if you tell an alcoholic, if you take one more drink, I'll just pull the trigger. I will kill you. An alcoholic will take another drink. That's right. Because they That's are an right. alcoholic. Yeah. It's a sickness. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is. Again, one of the reasons we don't like this, um, the whole delivered version of things is, scientifically every bit of research has ever been done on addiction and alcoholism specifically says that's genetic. There are environmental factors or behavior factors, but alcoholism is a thing. Yeah. Right. It is a disease. You do not get delivered from your diabetes. Yeah. You take insulin and you do the work to manage that mm. same thing with alcoholism. Yeah. So this idea of it will have a momentum of its own. And that's what a lot of these kind of, um, delivered, um, you know, saved and delivered programs are about is, you know, you'll hit a bad, the, the super bad thing, and that'll make you never want to drink again. And then you'll just be, we'll cruise on that emotional, spiritual high for long enough. That doesn't work. There's right. a, then we'll even one more a cliche from AA, which is, we look, this is what we, one of the things we like about 12 step programs, and one of the things I've started looking for in any other program that says it's going to help you change your life is if it works, if you work it. Yes. That's right. Yes. The 12-step programs and things of their ilk, not everything has to be a 12-step program, but the things that take that philosophy, there's this idea of this is a system. You get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. You will fall off if you if you try to go from step six to step eight. Yeah. And don't do step seven because you think step seven stupid, you're going to drink again. Yep. That's almost a guarantee. It works if you work it. And that is a way where you can be supportive of your husband. You can be there. Right. You can be involved because he's going to need to work this. That's yeah. right. You can't be involved in his deliverance. You can just <laughs> right. wait for the inevitable backlash. Yeah. And also, I will say one more thing on the pastor's wife, as Glenn pointed out, just because she doesn't know anything about addiction and is pitching you, the program she's talking about is run by a very successful megachurch person. I want to point this out. We normally don't name names. The program we are saying don't go to is not celebrate recovery. No, that's right. We that's like correct. celebrate recovery. We have a we lot do. of we have a lot of bad stuff said by Mega Church. We will make fun of Rick Warren. Celebrate recovery is a good program stuff. none of us have ever heard anything but good things. Good about. stuff, man. That's right. We're talking about a different program. That's I want right. to be very clear on that because yeah. I would never want to steer anyone away from celebrate recovery. That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. But right. this program we're talking about is a guy who celebrate recovery. I'll go back to that for a second. Is they looked at twelve step programs, said this works. It's not explicitly Christian. People want explicitly Christian version. That's smart. Sure, right. that's great. That's mm-hmm. we are all about that. The other, these other things, not just this one we're talk, talking about here. The other things are, I want to do my own thing because I, Pastor Ricky, want to get famous as defeating addiction and write yeah. the book and the whole thing. And we again, we have a lot of things about Salback. Salback doesn't make a dollar off Celebrate Recovery. Right. They let people do that. This dude wants you to buy his book, the whole thing. Yeah. We got to be skeptical of that. That's right. Because the thing about A, the thing about all this stuff is it's meant to help people. Yeah. If you're getting mm-hmm. famous off the back of it, yeah, that's now we've got some weird motivations. And I say, 
part of that is going to be got to be telling you what you want to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got to mm-hmm. be dramatic. There's got to be a video. We've got to mm-hmm. take, we got to bring Jim cause he's delivered and he, you know, yeah. he was the thing and heroin in the seventies and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. AA is not dramatic. No. AA will tell any 12 step person. They will tell you, Hey, about, about 80% of the people, 89% of the people they're going to drink again. Yeah. Right. Like we'll be here for them when they do, but that's just how that goes. Yeah. And you, when you're looking for a good program, you're looking for something you can do. It works if you work it. Absolutely. Right. All right, we went a little long on both of those, so we're gonna we're gonna call it there, and we don't want to we don't want to deprive you of too much Lee wisdom. Oh, so no. we got some questions that we think he'll be really good on. So if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com, and especially on the two we did this week, um, f- feel free to follow up. You have yep. more questions about addiction. You we know a lot of people deal with that. You have more questions about kind of drawing healthy boundaries. You know that's very important to people. Follow up this. His, if you don't want to answer on the podcast, his, just hit up the email. I'll email you back, or you can email any of us personally. All our links are on the blogs and stuff, and we'll get back to you. So we appreciate you listening. We're not going to take out with a song this week because I forgot to think of one. So we'll give you the old school say that outro music. Nice. It's been wow. quite a quite a number of episodes since we did that. I'm still very jet lagged, folks. I think we've done pretty well considering. This, thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, you're on notice, girl. <laughs>